0: What it says I can do. True. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Now think about that. Let's say that again. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's Word. It's His truth transforming every part of my life, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. The reason I wanted you to repeat that is, it's so easy to say things, you don't realize what you're saying, right? But in the world that we're living in right now, what do we believe? You know, what do we believe? Do we believe what the Bible says? Do we believe what we see in the news? We have to know what we believe. And listen, folks, you need to decide what you're going to believe now, not when you're right in the middle of the heat of a problem, okay? That's not, that's not when you need to figure out what you believe. You need to know now what you really believe. Uh, let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever had a bad day? Two bad days. I see double hands, lots of double hands. That's awesome. Anybody over here, y'all have a bad day over here? Anybody never had a bad day? Anybody? a terrible day there you go so we've all had days that have been bad we've all had situations that come along that that we encounter in life that turn into very bad horrible days I mean maybe you get up in the morning everything's going fine the coffee maker doesn't work now your day's getting messed up you're driving down the road somebody cuts you off in traffic I mean there's only two of you on the road but they cut you off in traffic You know, I mean, it doesn't matter whatever's going on. I mean, somebody says something, whatever it is, you just start having a very bad, horrible day. And, you know, you want, oh, you know, bad days are going to happen. Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulation. We've talked about that before. But I really thought as I was preparing this message earlier in the week, obviously the situation in Dallas hadn't happened yet, and I love how God goes before us and begins to prepare us for the things we need for the times that we need them. So the Lord had me working on this message today, and it's called Victory in Your Very Bad Day. Victory in Your Very Bad Day because there are going to be days what we my terminology is when the wheels run off of everything. And the question is how are you going to respond? In that time when those crises come, you know, uh, psychologists, sociologists, counselors have kind of broken down what happens when you have stress in your life, when you have a very bad day. And there's four reactions that really happen. And you're going to be able to identify with some, if not all, of these things. The first thing that happens when we begin to experience pain or crisis is that we become isolated. We tend to withdraw ourselves. How many of you are that way? When something gets hard or goes on, you withdraw. Maybe you don't necessarily withdraw physically, but you begin to withdraw emotionally. Uh, The problem with that is when you begin to build up walls around you, you know what I'm talking about. You begin to build up those emotional walls. Somebody hurts you and you say something to the effect of, they hurt me, therefore, I'm not going to allow anyone to hurt me again. So we build these walls up. Here's the problem with that. It keeps the pain out, but it also keeps the love out. See, the wall does not discriminate between the good and the bad. The wall is just there and blocks you off from everybody. I've done that in my own life on numerous occasions where I was hurt, and I decided I'll never let that happen again. In one situation, I did that, and it took me about six years. Six years before I would begin to let people get close to me emotionally because of something that happened in one instance. And so not only did I keep out the people that wanted to love on me, there's very few people that want to be mean to you guys. Statistical fact that you probably don't care about, I find it interesting. The average pastor in the United States leaves their church because of five people. There's five, and I'm talking about a church of our size or smaller, up to a church of five or 10,000. They leave because there's five people that won't leave them alone and get on their nerves. We're in really good shape because there's only two, and I'll let you figure out who those people are. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We, we don't have those issues. Thankfully, I don't have those issues. Either that or I'm ignorant, and ignorance is bliss, so it's all good, right? So if you're mad at me, I don't know it, and it's okay. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, we put up these walls and we also keep away the ones that love us because the truth is those pastors, most of the people in those churches love them but because of the five that are vocal, they end up getting hurt and leave. Our law enforcement, we're seeing right now what's going on with them. We're for them. But there's just a few people that are against them, and that's the ones you hear about. And I want to encourage you this week. I didn't say this first service, but I'd like to say it to you now. When you see folks in uniform this week, buy their lunch. doesn't have to be donuts, whatever you're comfortable with. But, you know, (laughs) love on them. Give them a note. Thank them for what they do, okay? I mean, we need to be doing that in all situations. Thank people for, for getting out there and doing things. We need to show people that we're for them. Because the problem is, when we get hurt, we put walls up. We stop everybody. Here's the second thing that tends to happen when we experience pain, when we have a bad day. We want an explanation. I want to know why this happened. Why did this happen to me? Why did I get fired? Why is this situation going on? Why am I sick? Whatever. And there's this pain that's coming in and we want to know why. There's this need inside of us to have an explanation. It doesn't mean we can fix it or anything. We just want to know what it is. And I want to say this to you today to save you some effort. Okay? Let me just save you some effort. We are not going to know all the answers to the challenges in this world, this side of heaven. And, and you're wasting a lot of emotional energy time trying to figure things out that you're not ever going to be able to figure out. You just need to accept the situation, trust God, and move on. OK? Here's the third point. This usually happens when we experience pain, when we're having a very bad day. We get angry. Come on, let me see my angry people right now. Yeah, we get mad. Something happens. Okay, first I was hurt, then I cried a little bit. Now I want to punch somebody in their throat. Right? It's a situation going on right now in Dallas. You know, we respond in anger because that's our initial response. We want people to pay for what they've done. We want justice. But let me just say this to you as an officer also. I recognize that's not going to change anybody's heart. The only thing that changes people's heart is the love of God coming on the inside of them and changing them. Anger may force you to do something, but it should force you to do the right thing. How many of you have ever responded in anger, it worked out like you wanted? (laughs) Never. Never. Right? I punched him in the nose. What happened? It hurt my hand. And I got kicked out of school. Did it solve your problem? No, but I punched him in the nose. For that little brief moment that you felt good, there was a whole lot of bad that got caused by it. Jesus said, check it out, Turn the other cheek. And he didn't say that because, you know, he's a wimp. Jesus was the most powerful person that ever walked on this planet. But he recognized that wasn't going to change anything. Somebody needs a spanking, you give them a spanking. But a lot of times, the enemies that you have in your life, what they need is to see the love of God. Remember this, folks, and you can write this down and you can take it to the bank. Hurting people hurt people. And the reason people are hurting other people is because they're broken. And they're just responding the wrong way. And they need Jesus to help them. All right. So we get angry at ourselves. We get angry at others. And finally, ultimately, we usually get angry with God. God, why is this happening to me? And here's the fourth thing that can happen we reject God. We don't understand why bad things have happened, and we begin to question God. We don't get it. He's sovereign. He's all-powerful. Why did these things happen? Therefore, I'm going to reject him because he must not love me. And I'm going to prove to you right now how wrong that is. Folks, God is near to the brokenhearted. God is near to the brokenhearted, God didn't create all this pain in the world. And let's just be honest, folks. For most of us, a lot of the pain that you've had in your life was a lot of it was stuff that you caused yourself. Some of the things that we've dealt with in life are things that we've brought on us. The issues that we're dealing with in our country right now, for the most part, are issues that we have brought on ourselves. Because here's the thing. You can't take God out of everything and then expect it to work out okay. Never will. You can't decide Here's what I want to do whatever I want to do and then get upset with God when it doesn't work out that way. That's just stupid. And so we as a country have gotten to that point. I preached about it a little bit last Sunday. We've gotten to the point where we're fat and happy and we've got what we want. We want to do what we want to do. And now we've got what we got. But check this out. God is still near the brokenhearted. Hmm. Even when we cause the pain ourselves, he is near the brokenhearted. Even when we reject him and walk away, we are still his children and he still sings over us. He still wants to redeem us. And listen to me, much of the pain that you experience in your life, some of you, the reason that you are here today is it's finally gotten to the point where you said, okay, God, I need help. You've gotten to the place where you realize you need him, and that's a very good place to be. Why? Because God is near the brokenhearted. Psalm 34, verse 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 147, 3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He heals our wounds, not only our heart, but the wounds caused by the brokenness. But my favorite of all these is an Old Testament verse that Jesus quotes in the New Testament. This is Jesus' self-proclaimed, God-given job description. When Jesus started his ministry, he said, this is why I'm here. Watch this. Luke four eighteen. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus is talking. He says, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel, which is the good news to the poor, and he has sent me to what? Heal the broken heart. Hearted. And listen, it's not just, it's awesome that we get to go to heaven, y'all, but that's gravy. That's the icing on the cake. The broken heart is here. He came to heal the brokenhearted here. He, he came to rescue us from that here. That's for now. To preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set liberty, to set us free, them that are bruised. And I want you to know today, if you are experiencing a broken heart, he is near you. But you have to reach out to him. You have to reach out to him, but he is near to you. So how do you bring God into a very bad day? How do you get God involved in the pain and the challenge that you're dealing with? Well, Dave sang about it with... Jump in, Jehoshaphat. We're going to talk today about a guy named King Jehoshaphat. He was the king of Judah, and the story Dave sang it in a nutshell. But let me give you the backstory. Jehoshaphat is a godly man, and this time he's one of the great kings of old Israel, Jewish history, and his kingdom is blessed. God has blessed the kingdom, and one day Jehoshaphat gets up and he has his his wheaties, and he's having a pretty good day. And all of a sudden, somebody comes in and says. King Jehoshaphat, there's, a, there's three armies coming against you. And he tells them who these armies are, and he realizes they are so outnumbered, there is no way in the natural that they're going to be able to fight these guys. He went from having a good day, the kingdom being blessed, to having the worst possible day for a king. We're about to lose everything. So how does he respond want to tell you folks, this is totally applicable to your life. What we're going to talk about today is you. It's either you right now, it's been you, or it's going to be you again. And so you need to remember, this is one of those messages you need to put in a file somewhere so that when it comes up, you'll remember how to respond. Because what I'm going to show you is how Jehoshaphat responded and how we need to respond. Okay? So here's the text. Let's jump into it. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and with them the Munites, what a name, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they're at Engedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid. Check it out, he was afraid. And then he set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. He recognizes there's a problem. This is a crisis. This is a very bad day. What is the first thing that he does? Here's the first thing he does. He experiences the emotion of fear. And I want to say this to you today. The emotions that you experience, I want to tell you when I was watching this thing the other night in Dallas, I was crying and mad at the same time. I was heartbroken and angry at the same time. For those senselessly, it's amazing to me, these men and women are walking down the street protecting those that are protesting against them and then are killed. Senseless. Senseless. And I'm mad and I'm crying in pain for those people all at the same time. Jehoshaphat is afraid. The emotion of the moment he experiences it. That's not the problem. That's, you're going to have the emotion. When that news comes, when that situation happens, you are allowed to be emotional, folks. You're allowed to hurt. You are, but you can't stay there. What you do next is very important. How you respond is very important. And what does Joseph do? He gets afraid, and then he sets his face to seek the Lord. His first response is prayer. His first response is prayer. He didn't go running through the palace. Ah, what are we going to do? We're all going to die. No. He immediately, his first response is, he needs to go to the one who has the answers. He needs to go to the one who can help him. And folks, that's Jehoshaphat's God is your God. Same God. First thing you have to do, look at your notes. You have to lift your eyes. You have to lift your eyes. In other words, you need to seek God first, not second, third, or last. God should never be your last resort. I cannot tell you how many times over the course of my life uh, somebody's going through a crisis and, and we're talking about the crisis, and I said, Well, have you prayed about it? It's come to that. It's come to that. Oh, I guess we ought to pray. I'm like, "Really? Now we're going to pray?" Maybe we should have backed it up, right? But that's our human nature. That's the flesh inside of us. Why well, I got to fix this? So many of us walk through life going, "Well, well, you've made your bed. Now you're going to Well, we're going to get what we deserve." not God's kingdom. That's not the way he works. You can choose that. I don't recommend it. And as a child of God, that is not your inheritance. Watch what he does. 2 Chronicles twenty five through 12 And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And have they lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, watch this, this is the part I want you to see, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, circle judgment, pestilence, famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and we will cry out to you in our affliction and watch this, and you will hear and you will save and now behold the men of Ammon Moab and Mount seir whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt and whom they avoided and you did not and did not destroy, behold, they reward us by coming. To drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Our God, will you not execute judgment on them? Last verse. For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. This is the sentence I want you to see. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You need to lift your eyes off the circumstance and get them on God. So many of you rehearse your problems. This is what's going on. This is what's going on. This is what's going on. I, did you pray about it? Yeah, I prayed about it the other day. But since you prayed about it, your eyes have been focused on it. And I want to tell you something. I learned this a long time ago riding a tractor. Whatever I watched is where I went. And I've messed up some pretty good crops that way. My dad will testify Dad always taught me, son, when you're plowing, you look down there and you pick you a target and you keep it right here on the tractor. Y'all know me. (laughs) Wonder what's going on behind the tractor. Wonder what's going on over here behind the tractor. It's a tractor. There ain't nothing going on behind the tractor. And I have jacked up some land, folks. But here's the problem. This is a spiritual principle. You don't see it till later. But I didn't have my eyes focused on what I needed to have my eyes focused on. But Jehoshaphat shows us here, Lord, our eyes are on you. We're not going to focus on our enemies. We're going to focus on our deliverer. And that's part of the answer for you today. You don't need to focus on your sickness. You need to focus on the healer. We don't need to focus on the terrorists. We need to focus on God who's the creator of nations. We need to get our focus right. And, and I'm going to say this to you. I'm about to get on your toes, so just get ready. Some of y'all watch way too much news, man. Watch ESPN. Come on, what's wrong with you? I mean, seriously, don't. if you watch that junk all day long, what do you think's getting inside of you? We're going to hell in a Learjet. Yep, going to hell in a Learjet. Sure are. Probably tomorrow. Yep. And you know what? That's going to eventually get on the inside of you. You need to get your eyes on the Lord. There's some pretty good Christian TV out there. You can listen to my sermons. I mean, come on. (laughs) Y'all need to start feeling yourself. Get your focus where it needs to be. Because if all you're focused on is destruction, guess what? That's what you're going to get. Sounded rougher than I meant it to, but y'all get the point. All right, number two, we need to exchange our thoughts. We need to get our focus right, but then we need to exchange the way we think, because the battle is in here. The battle's in here. Okay? Second Chronicles 20, verse 3. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid. Remember we talked about that's okay, you can be afraid. But he set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. If you read the prayer of Jehoshaphat, which by the way theologians have said is one of the most beautiful prayers in the Old Testament. What is Jehoshaphat doing when he prays to God? He is explaining to God what he's already said in his word. He said, God, this is your word. This is your word, this is your word, this is what you gave us, this is what you promised it. Jehoshaphat had his eye on what God had said. His focus was on the Lord. And I want to encourage you in this. Some of you, whatever situation it is you're facing, whatever it is, you need to find scripture that will help you. I want to tell you one of the greatest tools I use for Bible study and research and even my class paperwork is the the interweb. Okay, it's really awesome, the internet. I'm just kidding, that's what that is. You can go on Google, you can study, you can type in and say scripture for whatever and it's gonna give you a list of scripture. You don't have to be a theologian but you do have to put forth some effort. And when you read these scriptures of God, from God for you, you need to write them down and that's what you need to be focusing on. And just like Jehoshaphat, you need to say, God, your word says and so I'm gonna trust that. You have to exchange the way you think for the way he thinks. Because part of why you are where you are is because of the way you think. Amen? That's part of the problem. Number three, this will be your favorite. We need to surrender our control. I'm reading four different books, actually about six books right now, but I'm reading four of them for one of my classes, and I bet if I stack them up, there's about 1,000 pages this thick, but I can give you a synopsis of them right now. And these are all these spiritual leadership principles, and here's what they say. Trust God and submit to him. At the end of the day, you have to trust God, and you need to make that decision now, not when it's bad. We have to surrender our control. Look at what Jehoshaphat did here. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 18. Then Jehoshaphat, watch this, bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. When he bowed his head, when he laid prostrate before God, and the Bible says the entire nation did that, that is an attitude of submission. That is an attitude of, of surrender. Let me give you an example of what that looks like. When you see somebody with their fist held up, what does that show to you? What is it? Defiance. That's right. Defiance. I'm defying you. Defiance. What's this? When We worship and we praise God. I surrender all and we, we submit to him, and we yield our lives to him, then he began, can begin to do his work. But when you stand like this, you set yourself in defiance against God, then you're gonna get what you get. And it's never fun. So Jehoshaphat led the entire nation in surrender and submission to God. And what did God do? Let's look at the next verse, or number four. Trust your God. Not only do you need to surrender to Him, you need to trust Him. You need to believe Him. And, folks, I want to tell you this right now people will always let you down. Even people with the best intentions are going to fail you, but God will never. Ever fail you but you have to trust him and trust his way of doing things and listen to me his way of doing things a lot of times is not easy I've done enough studying now to understand God wants to make you the person that you have always wanted to be but a lot of times it's hard A lot of times it's difficult. It's not always the easy path. And God takes us through challenges and situations in our life that pressure us and shape us and begin to form us. But you have to trust him. You need to trust him when it's easy and you need to trust him when it's hard because he's God all of the time. And so, what does God do? God hears Jehoshaphat and the people's cry. Now, remember, there's an army coming against them. There's no way they can win this battle, folks. They're done. In the natural, they're done. But they fast and pray and seek God. We're going to be praying Wednesday night. We're going to do what we're supposed to do submit ourselves to God and allow Him to begin to work. But they do that, and God says, Here's the battle plan. I've got the battle. And Jehoshaphat says, All right, here's what we're going to do we're going to send the worship team first. <laughs> I talked to our guys this morning. They were very excited about that. Here's what we're going to do, guys. This is our battle plan. We're going to send the worship team out ahead of them. Woohoo! Everybody else was clapping. The worship team's like, do I get to vote? Um, come on, somebody. You know, but that's what he did in this situation. And they said, God, we're trusting you, and, and our trust is in you, God. Our faith is in you. And folks, they hadn't even got to the battleground yet. And God's already got those armies turned on each other. And they annihilated each other. They didn't have to fight anybody. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us it took three days to bring all the spoils back to the city. But they had to be obedient. And they had to submit. And it's the same for us today. This is an easy translation for us. This is obviously what God wants us to hear as a community and a people. But I want you to know this, and we need to get this straight up front. The process of redemption for a nation begins with an individual. We don't need to be pointing our fingers at anybody else. We need to take account here first. And you can't say we need to submit as a a nation unless you're willing to submit as a person. Revival and redemption begins with you. I want to say this to the men that are here today. You are the priest of your household. God has given you the authority, the spiritual authority over your household. And men of God, you need to take that authority. You need to step up. And I don't mean be a dictator. What I mean is be the kind of servant leader that Jesus has called you to be. And you need to take authority over the things that are going on in your household scripturally. Kick the devil out, in other words. And lead your family. As we lead the family, as we repent as a church, we're going to change our community, which is going to change our county, which is going to change our country. And I just want to say this. I don't believe we're going to hell in Learjet if we'll stop. Because if God can save them, he's the same God. And if we'll do the right things, redemption can come. In first service today, one of the elderly gentlemen was here, and two little girls came walking in, little bitties. He called me over. He said, Pastor, if something doesn't change, they're in for a world of hurt. You know what my immediate response was? Then we need to change something. This is our time, church. This is our time. This is not a time that we cower down and build up walls. The church is never meant to be a fortress. The church is meant to be an army, an army's march. And what we need to do is we need to take the kingdom of light. There's only one thing that pushes back darkness, light. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Shine. And we are doing that. These shoes represent part of that. That we are not willing to sit back and watch it happen. But like Jehoshaphat and the rest of the godly people in the Bible, we're going to do what God tells us to do. And we're going to stand. Why? Because this doesn't have to be the end. This needs to be the beginning. So when you find yourself getting what we in the South say down in the mouth, you need to look up and you need to get your eyes on the King and say, God, what are you doing in this time? Because it's getting darker, but guess what? People are looking for light. And this is the time for the church to rise. People that are hurting and are becoming and they're going to be looking for solutions. And if we're all depressed, if they come, hey, do y'all have the answer? No, I'm depressed too. Really? Slap you around, boy. You're the light of the world shine and let's watch god do a miracle let me just say this in closing if you look in your bible because i've looked in mine most of the time the people that god would pick in the bible to do amazing things were the people that everybody else overlooked david wasn't going to be the first choice for king in everybody else's minds. a matter of fact his family forgot about him and he was out there watching the sheep and Samuel says, "Hey, I see these guys here. Where's your isn't is there anybody else?" Forgot all about him. He's out in the pasture. We'll bring him in. And God picked the least of these to be the greatest king in Israel's history. God has a habit of showing his power through the weak so that he gets all the glory. And I remember a phone call about seven years ago from a certain gentleman in this church and said, you don't know where I am, and you've probably never heard of where we are. And I said, where are you? He said, Hardy, Arkansas. I said, nope, never heard of it. But God's done some amazing things, hasn't he? Because he picks overlooked places with overlooked people to show his love and mercy and glory through. It's not always the mighty. As a matter of fact, most of the time it's not. Because they're a little too haughty for him but it's the base and he picks us and he works through us because hey we just believe him I can't tell you how many times I've been in Arkansas and people say where do you pastor and I say Hardy and they say where's that and they're from Arkansas we are an overlooked people I don't have a problem with that at all I kind of like being overlooked actually Why? Because everybody loves an underdog. And I just believe that if we will begin to obey God and do what he says, then he can do a miracle. And people around the country can begin to look and say, well, if God can do it there, he can do it here. Amen? And I think we ought to be that people. So don't get down in the mouth, lift your eyes, and let's trust God and submit to his process. Amen? Come on, give it up for the Lord this morning. Watch what you're watching. Watch what you're listening to. Watch who you're talking to. Watch your mouth. Thank you. And let's start speaking blessing. And let's start doing what God wants us to do. And then let's watch him do some miracles. How about that? I think that would be cool. Amen. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Lord, we thank you today for your word. We thank you that the word, the Bible tells us, the New Testament tells us that everything that was written in the Old Testament is for our instruction. And so Lord, we look today to see how Jehoshaphat dealt with situations like we're dealing with today. And the first thing he did, God, was seek you. And so Lord, we as a body, as a family of God, as a church, we choose to do that. Father, we choose to get our focus where it needs to be. Father, we choose to trust you even when we don't understand because, Lord, we know that you are greater, that you are bigger. And, Father, we just dare in faith to believe for a miracle. We just dare to believe that you can turn this thing around because you said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, I'll hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. We are your people. And Father, we choose today to surrender to you. Lord, we look and we don't know how you're going to fix this, but we know that you are the solution. And so, Father, we choose to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Father, we trust you. Lord, we ask you to speak to us. Show us the plan. Show us what you want us to do, God. Help us to be the light of the world that you commanded us to be. Help us not to hide our light under a bushel, but to let it shine. If you're here today, nobody looking around, this is a personal time between you and God. If you're here today and you've been away from God, but, but because of the bad times, because of challenges, whatever it is in your life, you may just have come to church today. You don't even know why you're here. But God has spoken to you through this message. It's his anointing. It's not me. It's not me. It's God. And if he's speaking to your heart today, you need to respond to him. And if you find yourself today being in trouble, being away from God, but you want to get back right with Him. You want to be part of the solution. You want to be healed and part of God's family today. If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. I see those hands. Amen. Hands all over the place. Put your hands down. Thank you for your faithfulness. If you're here today and you're a child of God, but you realize that you've been walking in doubt. You've been walking in disbelief. You've been walking in fear. You find yourself where Jehoshaphat was. You're afraid. You're afraid for your family. This is a wake-up call for you. God knew this was coming. He planned this message today. He wants you to know that you don't need to be afraid. You need to look up. If you find yourself today to be, being that person that's full of fear, just lift your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Man, hands all over the place, guys all over the place. You put your hands down. That's a lot of folks. Guys, I want to tell you something. It's not over. It's not over. But it's up to us. It's up to us. Grab your neighbor's hand this morning. There's so many folks raising their hands. We're just all going to pray. Father, you see the obedience of your people this morning that are are reaching out to you, Lord. There's those that want to They feel far away from you. They need your touch. Lord, as we're here today, I just pray, Father, even now you begin to minister to them. Your word tells us that if we'll draw close to you, you'll draw close to us. You're near the brokenhearted. Father, there are those that are here today that need to be close to you. They want to come back home. Let's all pray this together. Lord Jesus, I've been away, but I need you. Forgive me, Receive me in Jesus' name. Amen. You say, Pastor, is it that simple? The sincere prayer of your heart, God sees that. And if you meant that today, absolutely. Absolutely. For those so many of you that raised your hand, that you're in fear and you've been walking in disbelief, God's really hand-tailored this message for you today. And you need to internalize this and you need to look up and you need to trust him. And Father, I speak today over this church family. Lord, this word that you brought us, Lord, help us to put it deep in our hearts, Lord. Help us to trust you today. Father, even though we don't know the answer, we know you are the answer. And so, Lord, we ask you today, in Jesus' name, to heal our land. And Father, we individually choose to come to you. And Father, begin the revival in us, begin the redemption in us. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. Now listen to me before I dismiss you guys. Um, There's those of you that are going down, we're going to baptize some folks today. We've got about six folks that want to go be baptized in the river. Let's give them a big hand. Isn't that awesome? So immediately following service, we're going to load those folks up and we're going to go baptize them. It's awesome to see God's family growing and people's lives being touched. You know, we're getting near backpack time. We've got a lot going on as a church. There are a lot of needs in our church body of people needing prayer. I want you to be in prayer for all these folks. I've got some folks after service who are coming down for prayer. If you have sickness or something in your body, I want you to come down when I dismiss. I'm going to pray over you today. I uh, believe God wants to do some things there. Um, but but lift us up in prayer. And I want you guys to especially, um, not especially, but I would appreciate it. If y'all would pray for our family, we've got a whole lot of traveling and things going on right now and and, um, be praying for us as we've got a lot going on and we would really appreciate that right now. We need that. So as your pastors, I'd ask that, okay? Um, Let's pray. I'm gonna dismiss you. Lord, as we leave this place, help us to truly be your hands and feet. Lord, I pray that uh, we would walk out to a world that's dark. Lord, you put the light of Jesus in us and the solution we carry it. Lord, help us to share his love with people wherever we go. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. God bless you.